podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Megan Wool. And I'm your co-host, Garth Casborn. And Garth, since you're a newcomer to GradCast, welcome, by the way. Thank you. Do you know anything about librarianship or library sciences, or where do librarians go to school? <laughs> well, you'd think I might, considering I have a sibling who did a master's in library science here at Western, oh. but um, do we talk about that much? Well, no. <laughs> Well, that's a bit of a spoiler alert, <laughs> I think. Today, we are with our producer, actually, um, one of our great producers out here at GradCast, Susie Lee. Thanks for being here, Susie. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on the show. And just to start us off, Susie, do you want to tell us a bit about your program? What is it? What are you doing here at Western? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am currently in what is considered a one-year professional master's degree, which is a master's in library and information science. So... Even though there's a like you can finish it in one year, I'm currently on co-op right now, so I will probably take about two years to finish my my full degree. Great. So what? Um, so with a co-op program, what does that look like? Yeah. So uh, the co-op isn't actually required for me to graduate, unlike so the, the some programs it is uh, an essential part of that. But for us, it's optional, but it's provided through the program and through like the the staff members who kind of help uh, us get our, our co-op. So I am currently doing a co-op with Western Libraries. Oh. I have not left London in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around here for my undergrad. I'm here for my master's. I'm doing my co-op here. But uh, I'm working with the uh, user experience and assessment librarian, um, just doing users, uh, user experience work. So what does user experience work look like in the context of libraries? Are you troubleshooting with, you know, uh, disgruntled undergrads or what does that look like? A little bit. So the first half of my co-op was um, more with the assessment librarian. And so we were synthesizing the results from our quadra annual (laughs) annual, um, uh, LibQual results which is a survey that we kind of send out every four years to, to get a sense of like what the library is like. It's it's a very hefty, uh, long survey that a lot of people or that we don't force everyone to answer all the questions. So it's like it's a light version. Um, and we were there was a team of us that were responsible for synthesizing and analyzing all the comments. So like there's a free form comment at the end or like mm-hmm. se- section at the end of the survey. And it was our job to synthesize about 800 comments in total and I think there was about nine of us on the team um, and the first half of that was just reading through being like okay what are the main themes that come out we were doing a lot of like thematic analysis to ultimately write a bunch of uh, reports that would th- end up going to like the heads of different library branches or to each of like our functional units um, within the library itself and it would just provide any kind of re- recommendations or results or like any um, accolades of what we've been doing well in the library and areas to improve. Uh, so that's kind of the assessment piece where we're like using the, the information and the um, commentary that we get to help improve our services, to make it more user friendly, to make to, to basically make the library what people want it to be. Um, this ha- second half of this of the eight month comp that I'm doing is more with the user experience librarian and we've been doing a lot of web-based projects. Mm. From what I've seen kind of in my scoping of uh, user experience librarians, um, a lot of it does have to do with websites because the website is often one of like the most frequent touch point for users and the library. Like a lot of people use the website for different purposes. And so there's and there's also many ways that you can make a good website. And there's also many ways that you can make a bad website. So we're constantly trying to improve in areas that we feel like are 
not doing very well or like just not even like it's not it's bad but we could just improve it to make it more user friendly so when you talk about areas to improve it doesn't have to be just web-based it can be anything from just general services to the of the library and that sort of thing yeah so um ultimately the goal would be to have the user experience librarians um kind of consult each of the functional units so to go back a little bit um Western Libraries isn't divided into kind of subject librarians or subject libraries as it traditionally was. So we did like an organizational restructuring in 2018. We decided to split up instead of having it by location where Taylor Library was the science and math library and Walton was kind of like the arts and humanities and FIMS library. We decided to break them down into like more like roles. It's like more mm -hmm. role based. So you have the teaching and learning team whose responsibility is to help consult professors on, on like building curriculums and uh, building teaching materials. You have the research and scholarly communications who help with publishing, who help with any kind of research elements, any kind of um, systematic and scoping reviews. I'm basically just doing a promotion for all the teams now. <laughs> um, okay. Any kind of those services. Uh, the user experience team, of course, is in charge of kind of improving the user experience on all elements. and. I want to give a shout out to all of them. We have the archives Go and special, <laughs> special collections who uh, manage both, obviously, the archives and the special collections. Um, and so instead of having it done by subject, it's like all of these roles each have a little bit of subject specialties in them. Um, I forgot collections. Uh, <laughs> and so with that, the user experience kind of touches into each different unit and consults on different projects that we were asked of. Or um, we kind of like, oh, hey, we see this here, and we kind of call a stakeholder meeting with the different functional units that um, it impacts, getting their input, and then kind of working to do like user experience testing around that product. Mm -hmm. uh, so does the, uh, uh, I mean, I guess you've mostly been working with sort of um, dealing with feedback from users of the library, mm -hmm. but uh, what does the staff think of all that restructuring? Staff? Um, I mean, there's there's pros and cons, obviously. Like there's no one way to structure a library unfortunately and so um yeah we haven't had a lot of opportunity to kind of get much feedback on it yet but there's obviously like strengths in some areas because you can have all the research and scholarly communications talk with each other and kind of work together in a team to define like what does it look like what does it um how does it function well it's the same with the user experience like user experience i don't think would have uh existed if it wasn't for the restructuring which is nice and as a person who wanted to go into user experience kind of before she go, went to library school, it's nice to know that there is a growing field of librarianship in user experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's got its pros and cons for sure. Well, it's interesting you talk about user experience and it kind of encroaching into librarianship because I think when people think of librarians or library sciences, they don't actually think, oh, user experience or, or the type of roles that you're describing. And on that note, um, you did mention web pages being one of the touch points for your survey, mm -hmm. and I use the library website quite a bit. That, that is my major interaction. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious if you can speak to this. Um, what were some suggestions for improving it, if there were any? Yeah, so we're working on three, I can't say major projects, but three different projects. Mm -hmm. One of them is we wanted to try and uh, create more of a standardized template for the location pages. Um, those ones, those are just basically like the landing pages that describe each of the different branches that we have on campus, so the law library, the business library, et cetera. Um, we found that there was kind of inconsistent information being placed all over the place. So we wanted to just 
standardize it, make it more easy for people to expect to find the location information at the bottom of the page or to find, mm -hmm. to have a photo of the interior and the exterior so they know what they're expecting before they actually go visit the library in person. Another one of those projects is a study spaces project where we noticed that there wasn't actually any information on our webpage describing the study spaces that we have, mm -hmm. which I feel like is a very hot commodity. And from that survey that we also had, it was a very hot commodity. And we, people are always looking for more space. And unfortunately, the building was built in, 19, in the <laughs> 1970s. So you can't exactly get more space, but at least for us to describe it in a way, we're hoping that it would kind of mitigate the amount of stress that people experience when it comes to, to try and, and find more spaces. And the last project, which was one of those collaborative projects that I mentioned before, um, is one to try and redesign the research support page. So there's a page on the main navigation that says research support. And we realized that um, there is a little bit of, it's structured in a very categorized way, but it's not as user-friendly to tell people like what exactly our services are. Mm -hmm. And so our goal was to do a lot of user testing, or I can't say a lot, but like some user testing to get people's opinions on the page and kind of um, what, would work better to promote the services that we have on that page instead. So that one was probably one of my favorite projects that we've done because uh, it, it did require a lot of uh, user testing with like actual people coming into the session. Is there a lot of differences with, um, I mean, imagine with a university library, you've got a big range of like, you've sort of got everything from primary researchers down to like undergrads and then members of the general public using all those services. Mm -hmm. um, are there, there challenges with sort of trying to make everything work for those different <laughs> different groups and different demographics? Yes, definitely. You're touching on a point that is kind of constantly a roadblock that we come across because we have, usually we kind of break it down to the undergraduates, the faculty, and the graduate students. The undergraduates are very kind of the largest user group on campus, obviously, they, but they also are have a very particular, like, they have assignments they have to complete. They have research that they have to conduct, usually using secondary resources. Faculty members are often doing like hard research, so they're they're the ones like gathering data or they're synthesizing data, and they need higher level um, resources or um, assistance to be able to actually conduct this work. But graduate students exist in the middle, and and I've heard it before where they said like graduate students kind of are forgotten in that space, and so uh, part of the goal for our um, research support page redesign was to make it uh, not divided by role so much as it is just like, if you need these resources, they're here for you, no matter if you're a faculty member, if you're a student, if you're like a graduate student specifically. Um, we want to make it as like user-friendly as possible, but it's constantly a roadblock that we're hitting up against of like who to prioritize, who to focus, like how to just like uh, categorize the information or the, the resources that we have to make it understandable to people who are looking for different things when they're going onto the website. So it definitely is a challenge, but we feel like we've come up with um, at least a temporary workaround. And what's constantly promoted from my supervisor is that he is saying like, you, user experience uh, is iterative, so you're constantly building on the stuff that you're working on before. So even though I've worked on this project with him this these the entire eight months, um, it's not the end of the project and it's something that we can always, uh, or if there are smaller projects that come up afterwards, we can always improve on the design afterwards, which I feel like is speaks to the heart of what I appreciated about user experience is that it's not like the one and done deal. Um, if you feel like something isn't working now, you can still put it in there. You can still put the website up mm -hmm. and 
eventually in a future projects, maybe some other co-op students, some other librarians, and some other librarian assistants will come together and improve on the work that you've done. And so you could just keep building and building to make it better. And that's really interesting. Um, that and your interest with UX, because I actually didn't know that about you, that you had this, this prior interest. Mm -hmm. So on that note, um, what drew you to this, this co-op role with UX? And where does your interest from UX and librarianship stem from? Yeah, so uh, it probably stems from my background in media theory. So I did the MIT program, the Media Information and Technoculture program here at mm -hmm. Western. Uh, but I also did psychology. So I, what I liked about the MIT program is that it's very interdisciplinary and it pulls on like a bunch of different topics, uh, psychology being one of them. So I was really able to kind of shoehorn that in into a lot of my <laughs> assignments afterwards. But um, it's also my tendency to want to like try and improve things. <laughs> but with the, with the user experience piece, I guess it's that whole thing of like, you can, you can work to pr improve every little piece uh, little by little or you can like do the testing to try and understand how people work at least for this specific thing mm -hmm. and it was just something that I had come across quite late into my uh, studies and so I was like really struggling with what I wanted to do after my graduate degree and I was looking into user experience but for a lot of the jobs they require you to have coding experience <laughs> or you're basically just a junior developer um, hidden under the label of user experience. And so I never really thought that I could go into that realm. Mm -hmm. But when I saw the posting for this co-op, I was like, oh, it's at Western Libraries. Oh, I have uh, some background in communications. I've done a communications internship with a nonprofit here in London. And I've done a lot of graphics work. I've done a lot of like editing work. I've done previous uh, podcasting work before. So it was just a bunch of skill sets that I had that met the job description <laughs> that I was like, well, yeah. let's try this again and see if it works. And I was also applying for other co-ops at the time. And I just so happened to be offered the position, which my old coworker from my old office, who also did her MLIS, constantly kind of hyped me up and be like, oh, the the, the Western Libraries co-op is always the most like coveted one. It's the most like competitive ooh, one. Ooh. Um, and she got it. She like, <laughs> was very supportive <laughs> of me, which I thought was very sweet. Um, but yeah, and when I talked to my supervisor about it afterwards, she was saying like, oh yeah, you, you were shortlisted because you had a lot of the skill sets, the very specific skill sets that were required for this position. And I was like, oh, it really hit my, uh, or like kind of tamped down my imposter syndrome a little bit. Cause I was like, I did get this position because mm -hmm. um, I was qualified for it. Not just cause they were like looking for a random person, which felt really nice. But then now that I'm in here, I was like, I'd really like to be able to do user experience work moving forward. And I am also looking for positions kind of like as UX researchers, as well as like UX librarians, because there's very few and far between, especially in Canada. Um, really? Yeah, it's, it is still a growing field, but um, it's got its, it's, there's, it's still growing. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I find that really interesting because, like I said, like library, you don't think of UX and librarianship or really any social role together. It's as you said, like when you hear UX, you think of you need a coding degree. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people forget that, you know, user experience is a, it has a big social aspect. Mm -hmm. So when you were talking about the, li uh, the library page survey that you're working on, I was thinking about like little changes in the, li in the library pages, like searching for information or resources that I've come across in my own research mm -hmm. journey that were just so much more helpful, like having related articles mm -hmm. or keyword term searches that were that were very related. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of going back to MLIS, because 
it's a very special program. It's a very unique program at Western, I think. I know a few people who have done it. Um, how does your work at the librarian with UX experience go back to your coursework and eventually what you want to do in the future? I think more than anything, it shows me like what work, what librarian work looks like, especially in an academic context. I was never considering becoming an academic librarian. Um, when I was initially doing my coursework, I was like, I'm doing public libraries, I'll do like information, anything related to information, because mm -hmm. I am a little bit more interested on the techie side, but I always describe myself as like interested in the human aspect of the tech yep. stuff. So like I don't necessarily want to have to learn coding, but I'm also interested in coding, but I don't actually have the courses, <laughs> the course <laughs> knowledge to take code or to uh, of like different programming uh, languages. But um, I feel like more than anything, this co-op has informed what I want to do moving forward. And of course, a lot of my core courses have taught me kind of the basics of librarianship, mm -hmm. um, about thinking about like the environment, about the people, about the, the impact that you have. I'd say definitely a lot of my core courses have informed a lot of the work that I've done in, um, or at least like I got to see it play out like in the actual library itself. Um, but I am looking now to be taking, I have about seven courses left to finish up and I'm going to be finishing them up in the next two terms. Um, and it's made life easier, but also <laughs> harder for me to, to decide what courses I want to do, partially because I am a jack of all trades, I would consider. And so I like learning a little bit about each different subject. And I also don't want to close off any of my doors still of like, maybe I can become an archivist. Maybe I can do this. <laughs> maybe I can do that. Um, so I want to take other courses, but I only have seven left. So let's, let's actually take a step back because that's that's a good introduction to the MLIS program. So it is course-based. Yes, yes, it is. And um, what what kind of courses have you taken? And you talked about being an archivist and yeah. all these different <laughs> roles. What let's, let's talk a bit about the kind of roles you can do through this program. Yes. Yeah, so despite the fact that the title is Library and Information Science, um, there are multiple different roles that you wouldn't expect that you can mm -hmm. actually hold. So Western's program is a little bit different because it's a one-year course base and it's it's very, very short compared to like, let's say the U of T's uh, library and information science program where there's this two years and you specialize in a specific specialty area. Um, for example, like museum and curatorial studies mm -hmm. or librarianship or like information management and stuff like that. While Western's is like, you take these five courses and then the rest of the 10 courses are just elective. So you can take whatever you want. I've currently taken introduction to information behavior, classification and indexing, and oh, uh, youth and digital context, um, or like youth and media and digital context. Mm -hmm. And so those are like the three electives that I had taken outside of the five main core courses that uh, you have. And so to go a little bit back, uh, the core courses each teach you like research methods, how to search um, and provide like reference information to people. Um, a little bit of business because ultimately libraries are run like businesses. Mm -hmm. so you have to know how to manage people and like to know different management styles. Um, cataloging, because that's obviously an essential part of libraries. And what was the last one? Oh, uh, and just a critical uh, perspectives or like theoret theoretical perspectives in librarianship. So once you get all of those ones, which are very essential kind of to librarianship, because this I would say this program focuses a lot more on libraries and the information mm -hmm. side. Um, there are courses that can teach you the basics of arch uh, archiving. There are courses that can teach you the basis of like 
information management or like records management. There are courses that'll teach you the basics of uh, librarianship, obviously. <laughs> yes, <laughs> makes no sense. Um, and so anything that has to do with like ma- like information management or records management in like corporate environments, you can uh, get a job in. There are very few archivist positions, almost fewer than, than librarianships, but it does prepare you for like the essentials of when you get into the field, at least. Um, you, you, you can talk in the same language that the other archivists can. So in some ways it feels a little bit like it's not preparing you or like it's that how can you learn like all of this in a year, especially mm-hmm. if you're taking kind of the select courses that you're taking. But from what I've heard, a lot of people will say that like our program is very practical. Mm-hmm. So um, the skills and the information that we learn in the classes are readily applicable and will prepare you to at least get that entry level job, that contract job um, that can get yourself like a foot in the door. Like I know a lot of my peers at the admissions office um, all have MLIS because when you're doing admissions, you're constantly um, handling information. You're constantly getting like student information, grades, mm-hmm. uh, what country they're from, like all this stuff, and you have to learn how to organize it, management, uh, manage it, and archive it <laughs> in a proper way. And so um, you, you'll find that there is a lot of um, a lot more positions that aren't explicitly library related or information related, but can kind of come together afterwards. And so I think searching for jobs is one of the greatest skills that can come out of taking it my us. <laughs> Not a bad skill to have either. Exactly. I'm just thinking with all these different, um, just hearing about all these different aspects of, of running a library. Um, one thing that's maybe one aspect of libraries that it maybe isn't as, as front and center anymore in the digital age is, mm-hmm. but there, there's a physical aspect to mm-hmm. libraries and library spaces. Is that um, is that something that came up a lot in sort of your user experience, sort of the the actual physical space of the library or accessibility or things like that? Yeah. So on our team, we do have an outreach and accessibility librarian, and she constantly works with the other user experience librarians to provide information, at least on the website, uh, to give people accessibility information and so that's one of the pieces we do a lot of space assessments all the time especially because Weldon just went through a renovation or is and also going through a secondary renovation so we're looking at how people use the space how people use the furniture and a lot of that work was done by my supervisor one of the user experience librarians um, to kind of inform the types of furniture we should be buying and placing in different spaces and also noise level is is a thing is an issue that comes up a lot because you'll have people who talk really loudly in quiet spaces and so trying um informing people of the different noise levels or, or accepting that all of the main floor of Weldon will be a conversational floor um and it will ultimately be very loud is um ways that we can see user experience work play out in the physical element Right. Are there any courses for things like, um, like I don't know, architecture of libraries or industrial design Ooh, of libraries? Or Interestingly enough, like um, there isn't physical architecture, but there mm. is uh, digital architecture. Uh, okay. So again, my, my supervisor, um, he mentions a lot how in his library school experience, his web architecture teacher really liked just physical architecture, so he learned mm. a lot about those theories because they can be applied in some way on web architecture. Mm. But it is a, a a point that was brought up a lot actually in our core courses, especially like the critical theory ones, because there is this essential idea of library as place, along with like library as everything else, um, where it is like 
the physical space itself is an essential service to people like you don't even have to do anything you just have to be open and provide that space because they're especially when in the conversation of public libraries like you have a lot of people who will come from different situations there will be homeless people there will be people who are running away from abuse situations so and like librarians are starting to have to be really trained um to provide those services to help those people or even just open up the library enough to give those place those people a resting place to exist and there's this theory called the um libraries as a third place i believe mm. where um it's something that's not your home or something that's not like a workplace it's a third place where people in society can kind of exist by something that is not a home or a school or uh, a workplace mm -hmm. and there's becoming fewer and fewer of these kinds of spaces and so that's what makes them so special like of course you can go into a coffee shop but usually you feel obliged to pay for coffee kind of as you go um like to to as like your payment for sitting in in the space but for libraries you can just walk in if you're waiting for the bus and it's cold outside it's often what i do um and you think that there aren't as many spaces as there may have been once and so that's one of the main like conversation pieces about the space as a whole just it's really interesting that you described yourself as a jack of all trades and you describe this really interesting space that the library occupies. Mm -hmm. And particularly, again, the jack of all trades is really interesting to me again, because you have to account for so many different things. Mm -hmm. Like um, there's things you mentioned that you have to think about, like spaces or the type of furniture that I wouldn't have even um, have considered, you know, something you need to think about. Mm -hmm. So just as a final question before mm -hmm. we run out of time, um, what has your co-op at the Weldon Library um, taught you or given you skill the skills for that you can take into your program and your future journey as a librarian? Yeah, if we want to be really technical, um, I definitely learned a lot of like project uh, management skills. I learned like user testing skills. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I just see like all of my coworkers working together on different projects, no matter what unit they're a part of. Um, of course, you're gonna have little like conflicts here and there of, of people who, because librarians are really passionate, so they really, really want to to do what they believe in. Um, but ultimately, like we do come to a compromise and we're able to work together. And I think having that environment and and that space where everyone feels we're all doing something different but we're all working towards a general direction is like it gives me a lot of hope kind of for the future of the, the type of environment that I want to work in so it's yeah oh that, that's wonderful and uh I think that's all the time we have for this episode but thank you for coming on Susie yes, thank you for having me it's been wonderful getting to know about the research that you do because I don't think I actually knew <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us can take advantage too of, yeah. uh, we all use the library mm -hmm, exactly yes. Right. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. Uh, your host has been Megan Vol, and I've been your co-host, Garth Casborn. We've been speaking with Susie Lee, and this episode was produced by Emily Hutchinson and Maria Kahn. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at GradCast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. And you can also find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and have a pleasant evening. Mm -hmm.